Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. That's what it's all about to your listeners. You're here because you're interested, right? So take that interest and follow the people that are leading with not only sharing education, but empowerment of how to get involved and how to stay involved. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back. I am Joyce Gerber, and we are so grateful you are joining us again today on the Cannamom Show, where we're continuing to crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers, one can of story at a time. And I like our new opening day with smoke. I have uh, I have a vape stick. I, <laughs> it's time to come out of the closet and admit it. Sometimes it's sometimes it's cannabis. Sometimes it's just fruity pebbles. So I just, I just I'm gonna join next week. I never smoke on air. There's like no videos of me smoking <laughs> anywhere. So I'm gonna maybe I'll come out of the closet. Ironic, too. yes. I know, strange, isn't it? Yeah. All right. So it feels like spring in Massachusetts, and we have some Massachusetts ladies with us today, so they can attest that's true. Strange. Hey, yeah. Massachusetts yeah. in the house. Love it. Yeah. And uh, let's see. So I, before I begin today's show, I just wanted to remind my local listeners that I'm going to be at the Cal Verde Dispensary in Belmont, Massachusetts, beautiful Belmont, Massachusetts, on November 1st from 5 to 7. I believe Miss Grass might be represented there and maybe Coast Cannabis. I might be out speaking, but there's going to be some other people there who are going to be representing. We're going to be doing crafts. Nice. Crafts. And this idea, the genesis of this idea was when I was at my, getting my hair done. And someone was talking about cannabis in the 
salon as they do. And I, of course, had to pipe in. Of course. But I do. And when she asked, why do you know so much about cannabis? <laughs> my hairdresser turned my chair around like I was Superwoman and said, she has the cannabis show. <laughs> Very cool. I, I love it. Local celebrity. Yeah. You didn't realize you, were, you, were, you could be sitting next to the cannabis at your hair salon or in line at the supermarket. Very cool. You never know where I'll be. I have to wish you half uh, 420 day, which was on uh, October 20th. It's six months from 420. Okay. So, and the reason why this is significant, I was watching. Math Jimmy is Kimmel. so confusing. What? Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel had Snoop Dogg on his show and he asked him when his birthday was. Snoop Dogg was like, oh, yeah, it's coming up 1020. And Jimmy Kimmel told him, do you realize that's exactly six months from 420? And Snoop didn't even realize. So Jimmy declared it a national holiday, Snoop Father Day, I think. So. You heard it here first. Yeah, you go. Breaking this. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. I might have to do a post about that. That's yeah. funny. All right. Calverde. Oh, hemp guitar update. Josh Lampkin fans out there. He, I don't know if you're following Lampkin guitars. You should be. He's posting the progress on the hemp guitar, which will be available this spring. We're not sure quite what we're doing with it. Maybe some sort of giveaway campaign. Maybe some sort of, I don't know. Might have ladies today might have some ideas about that. So it's going to be made out of, it is made out of hemp. Handmade the whole, by the whole guitar? Well, not the strings, I guess. Just the bass part, and then he made the neck. Okay. But the neck is pretty cool if you go online and look at it. It's got little inlays, and it's very pretty. He's weirdly... So hemp can be durable enough it's, to be it's a, a guitar? It's a piece of wood. It's it's very heavy, okay. actually. I think it, it's yeah. a compressed kind of product. So when he showed it to me, he's like, this is really heavy. It's more of an art piece. Okay. And I've still. mentioned, you can still play it. We're going to do videos. We're going to do a promo. Everyone pay attention. We're going to be like having him play it. Maybe he'll make a song up about it. But he might even put like maybe at the end of it, a little thing that maybe you could smoke out of, smoke out of and play it. Oh, now we're talking. The guitar that could do everything. If you have this guitar, you don't need to leave your house anymore. Snoop <laughs> you Dogg, you, you need this. Snoop, yeah, Snoop needs, you need this. <laughs> for sure. The musical guy, yeah. It's hysterical. All right. A lot of random things. Oh, Culture Corner. I am going to do a Culture Corner. Maestro. The Culture Corner. The Culture Corner. The Culture Corner. So, yeah, this week we're doing a book. A book I like reading. Although I haven't read this, I've just heard about it. Mitt Romney, the former governor of Massachusetts, another mm -hmm. Massachusetts connection and of current Utah senator, has a new book out called A Reckoning. Mm -hmm. It's a memoir, I guess, the way it's been described. I'll describe it. Based on dozens of interviews with Romney. His family and his inner circle, as well as hundreds of pages of his personal journals and private emails. This in-depth portrait by award-winning journalist McKay Copins shows a public servant authentically wrestling with the choices he has made over his career. In lively, revelatory detail, the book traces Romney's early life and rise through the ranks of a fast-transforming Republican Party and exposes how a trail of seemingly small compromises by political leaders has led to a crisis of democracy. Mm. <laughs> now, you're an unlikely <laughs> person to be bringing up a Mitt Romney book, as I don't know if you're recommending it or not, but... I think it's a story of politics, I suppose, and power. And I, I mean, I think at the base, Romney is a human being who believes in adding value to the world. I do think that's who he is. I don't believe with his politics necessarily, but he he's found himself on an island. Well, right. And for people like 
you and I here in Bleeding Heart, Liberal, Massachusetts. He was not a popular governor, <laughs> really not at all. I interviewed him once, actually, when he was in office. And the thing I remember most about it is he's really handsome. He really, he really, is. He really has movie star looks, or at least he did at the time. But anyway. Um, he still looks good. I mean, not drinking and probably doesn't do any marijuana either. He's pretty healthy. Yeah. But yep. I think he's lonely. I think this this is this loneliness is bad for you. So, <laughs> well, no, I mean, given the events of politics in the last, what, eight to 10 years or so, he all of a sudden is looking like someone It wouldn't have been so bad if he were president before Biden. <laughs> Maybe we could have lived with him just fine. Like you say, I, I, I like to think that he's. He's got good intentions in mind. So anyways, you've read this or you're going no, to? No, no, no. I, okay. I, I never read these big political books, but he, the <laughs> the author has been doing the rounds and I did listen to him on Terry Gross and I trust them. They do long interview format. And the way it sounds is he, he's the head of the Republican Party. He was the political, he was the presidential nomination. He was supposed to have some sway over these people in politics, right? Yeah. And he didn't. I mean, and when he got and he, when yeah. he got to be a senator, when he finally got to that level, he realized could do anything and that the 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 compass of the republican party had really shifted and he had no way to change it and i think he's frustrated and sad and maybe he's finally considering the fact white men have a hard time to accept that maybe they have responsibility in things because they never really do but this is a man again he's looking at himself and i'm he's trying to figure out what he did wrong at 75 so give him all that and maybe he's trying to understand what his role was in this and that's all they can hope for her so i know it's a story that's out there it is interesting to me because when the whole MAGA thing came about, it, it it seemed so fringe, so bizarre, so out there that the Republican Party, the smart people in the Republican Party, they couldn't possibly fall for that propaganda, would they? And the weird thing was most of them did, which leaves someone like Romney, who's just a successful businessman, and a straight thinking guy on the outs. So it's one of the more bizarre developments. Yeah. Why couldn't he have been Ronald Reagan? Right. And serve for eight years. Yeah. Politics is a show. He just wasn't much of a showman. I don't know. It's two different skill sets, literally. You either govern, you know how to make policy, or you know how to get a lot of attention. And now we just have a lot of people who know how to get attention. attention. Yeah. But that's what we want, too. So we're not really down on attention. So let's back back to books. So anyone out there who's following my Kiana Mom romance novel, she's taking a break. I've been putting posts out every week on my uh, website and I've been putting it to, to my newsletter. So I'm now on chapter six. If you haven't read it and you're curious, you can go catch up. Canna Romance is all the, it's a little bit lighthearted. It's got cannabis as a normalized thing. It's got a priest and a rock star. It's really, it's fun. You'll like it. <laughs> and go go to thecannamomshow.com. Thecannamomshow.com and it's under my blogs. So. Very good. And I did read chapter one on air last season. So if you wanted to hear me talk about it, you can go do that too. Very hmm. cool. All right. I guess that's enough about me. I didn't even talk about Israel today. Look at that. <laughs> Distractions are good. Cannabis, Romney, who knows? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Like American politics seem totally like fine now. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I'm fine. I'm cool with that. It's whatever. It's good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. See, Romney. Why are we so upset about Romney? What was wrong with us, Dave? Yeah. He, he would seem like a breath of fresh air these days. <laughs> I mean, uh, compared to some of the folks that we've seen and the, what's going on with the Speaker of the House and that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Anyways, and he was from Belmont, back to Belmont. So, yeah, right. November 1st. I don't think he would have saw cannabis coming to his community. No, he probably didn't want it at all. He also didn't want gay marriage in this state, and that hasn't held up very well. But Sometimes sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes you're wrong. That's the way it is. Okay. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Today, today we have the co-founders of the We Maker Group, 
The Weed Maker Group supports clients in every stage of cannabis licensing, permitting, strategizing, logistics, operations. Today's guests are childhood friends with their own personal cannabis stories and have been advocating in the cannabis space for over 10 years. They are here today to share their own cannabis journeys, their unique perspective on Massachusetts cannabis, and fill us in on their amazing cannabis event, That Party, and why they are still so committed to serving the cannabis community. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Jordan McKenzie and Sarah Coelia. Welcome, ladies. Hi, Joyce. Thank you for having us. Uh, thanks for joining me. All right. So let's just start introducing Jordan. Just go first. Just give us your name and how, how many years I've been working in cannabis. How do we start with that? My name is Jordan McKenzie Whitaker. My pronouns are she, her, hers. For those of you who can't see us, mm-hmm. well, hear us. And, or, and I am a co-founder of the Whitaker Group. Oh, did I say maker? Whitaker. Sorry. The Whitaker Group. Yeah, it's all good. The Whitaker Group is a business development group, and we co-founded with my partner, Michael, about 10 years ago. Started as an advocacy group, doing some consulting as folks were getting launched into licensing in the state, specifically in Massachusetts. So started out in the medical cannabis industry, doing patient advocacy as folks we're focusing on question four in 2016 and rec- in legalizing recreational adult use. We jumped in in a more official capacity, supporting licensees. And what, what, what year is that? When did you start that? And that was in 2017. Oh, so dog years. You've been here for quite a while. All right. And uh, Sarah, yes. is it similar or is it? Yeah. So I work with the Whitaker Group, Director of International Affairs and Chief Creative Officer. So we're intercontinental over at the Whitaker Group. So really help them on bridging diverse communities, foster a lot of experiences, and yeah, having fun. Okay, so I just commented on Massachusetts roots, both of your childhood friends. So can you just, I don't know how you want to start this. There's like an origin can of story here with these ladies. So whoever wants to start the story and kind of, you can even mention the towns because people in Massachusetts are local. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. So I grew up in Quincy. So I was a Randolph gal. I was. And we went to Archbishop Williams High School in Braintree, Massachusetts. So like South Shore and, ladies. That's in like, the yeah. crossroads <laughs> of 93. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and though art brought us together, we both were young theater girls with, with a passion for drama and a passion for cannabis. <laughs> yes. So, like, Bell's jamming right? back at age 15 and doing the same thing. Right. And now, just yeah. to guess, so what year was this? Just so my my listeners have a sense of what year we're talking about. What year is this? 2005. Yes. Okay. When so Sarah before, and I met. So, before legalization in Massachusetts, kind of moderately conservative area of the state. And you're, how did you, how did you get, did you just like know you like cannabis together? Is this something oh. you talked about? Or just like your world? Yeah. We were too, young, wild city gals at heart, but also had our hippie root. <laughs> and uh, when we weren't learning in the hallways, we were taken to the parking lots and passing joints and ideas and creative dreams together. There you go. And what did your family think? Or what did you think cannabis? Did you have any sense that it was good for you, bad for you? What was your understanding of it when you were that young? When I was that young. Yeah, Sarah, I know. Yeah, like, I'll get out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Our parents were legal. Yeah. 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 Sarah, go ahead. 
Yeah, no, my mom grew up doing the same thing, but it was always frowned upon at the same time. But it was like, I heard stories when you were a kid. I know you smoked it too. That's okay. So you're like kind of, so again, I'm 58. My kids grew up with the message that it was dangerous and killed brain cells because that's what I believed. And then I realized I was wrong. So that was great for them. <laughs> but most people I know, my, we drank around our kids, but we never smoked or consumed cannabis. So did you have families that, did you see it in public or was it something that you still did? Or the kid thing, you did it with your friends? Yeah, for me, it was with my friends all yeah, okay. always. Oh, yeah. right. The okay. first time I ever smoked a joint, I was offered it by an older cousin. Okay, of course. No. Yeah. So for me, it was, that was my introduction to to smoking, was being yeah. welcomed into an experience that I knew all my cousins that were taking walks around the holidays. I knew what they were doing. Yeah, that's what they so were like, going, people. That's so yeah, <laughs> so when I finally got the invite it was kind of like a badge of honor if you will i mean that is kind so of true. controversial to be like as at 13 someone handed me like someone said that i could come along which is all right questionable on every other front but hit me up and i'll explain <laughs> but but I, I mean when you were 13 you're probably 13 13 are anxious and we're like and it's a whole phase in life and all of a sudden you have a hit of cannabis and you're like well i feel kind of okay right? yeah um, and time just to cut you up the first time tweed i was probably 14 we ran a path and i kid you not a bird shit on my head and i was so calm and i was like they say this is good luck so i'm gonna say this is the start of a very beautiful friendship between weed and i and it has been ever since but oh, that, I, that's actually a good segue that is hysterical okay so now you're a grown woman who have <laughs> succeeded in many ways that we think a grown woman succeed and you've chosen to use your I don't know, your smarts to add value to the cannabis industry. So let's just talk about, all right, just what, what have you been doing since 2014? What's been going on? What's been happening? <laughs> What's been happening? Right? Yeah. Uh, ironically enough, as as the industry was evolving, like I found my way in it as a consumer, right? And as someone who wanted to like learn and all of that. So I was showing up to the events where there were leaders that were creating space for people to learn about the plant and about the benefits and about like what because I really didn't get into like 2016 so what was I'm happening trying. in 2014 in Massachusetts like where yes. would you go where were you doing um, yeah right who were we talking to there was who were you talking to yeah who were we talking to I can do some so in 2014 there was a school in Quincy called New England Grassroots Institute hmm. And some OGs on here might really know the way. I can name drop and you might be surprised to hear who was hanging out in Quincy Center in 2016, 20, 2014, 2015, 2016. But it was founded by a group of folks who had been longtime cultivators, longtime caregivers, and and talks were happening in the state. To, we were in a medicinal state at that point. So uh, caregivers and patients alike were surrounded by the people who also were benefiting from the plant in one way or another, right? We were we were seeing people who had fatal diagnoses, right? Like some some pretty awful diseases and can and cannabis was creating a path to either a more comfortable way of life or a treatment that was helping them still ex exist in the society that they were living in at the right. time. Mm -hmm. So get to 2016, not to bypass that all over, but in 2016, there were leaders in the state that were advocating for uh, not only adult use in 20, in Massachusetts, uh, but authoring a law that focused on an equitable industry. So the social equity 
uh, program that was built out of that uh, the economic empowerment licensees that were given priority access uh, and resources to in, in an attempt to right the wrongs of the failed war on drugs for so many years. So as far as Massachusetts was concerned, they came out the gate uh, and there were leaders like former commissioner, former commissioner Shaleen Title and Chanel Lindsay and nonprofits like Equitable Opportunities Now who were authoring the law. And those were the folks that we had been learning from for so many years. So we were showing up and then all of a sudden we were meeting people who were saying, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be applying for a license and I'm going to be doing this. And at that time, it was just it was really cool to make the relationships with folks. And then soon it became apparent that this was an industry that was requiring everyone to to either transfer their skills or we need everybody who's good at something to show up. And that's awesome. That, I, I hear that a lot. I mean, yeah, I love that. that is such a great way to, like, to put it, that it's very specialized. You saw that from the beginning and you were here at the beginning. You kind of came in, right, as people were trying to figure out what this paperwork is or what are the regulations and how the towns are going to deal with it and how are you going to get your money? And there's no banks and there's a lot of like pushback on top of just setting up a business. And it's very expensive. And well, the amounts of challenges that are faced within the system, it's no wonder. It's it's a It's a big challenge to... To start a business and then to run a successful business in the industry. But you're still here. You're still doing something because you're still doing it. We're still here. We're not anywhere, just to be clear. So, Sarah, I don't know. Maybe just I talk about how hard and difficult and crazy it is all the time. But maybe can you just give an example of maybe someone you've worked with or some of the things you've encountered at maybe the local level or what the paperwork. I don't don't know what's something that or something that's a small story that's kind of universal, whatever. You know what I mean? Because this is a hard industry to explain to people. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I've been a patient for many years now. So now really just encouraging folks that there are other ways of treatment. I have a lot of underlying health issues. So to be able to advocate and help people find healing in this plant, I think that's just something that I'm always constantly trying to relate to folks. So anytime I can plant plant medicine all the way. So but with that, but when you're working with like, I'm just, can you get like, even like the logistics of like, I don't know, could you, could you're doing the business part of it, right? You're working with people to, cause I talk a lot about this is compliance. Mm-hmm. Everything about this industry is compliance, working in the dispensary to like how you set it up. You have to know what the compliance is because if you do mess it up, then you're not going to get what you want. So are you finding specific things with some of the businesses you're working with that are coming up over and over again that you continue to advocate to fix? Like, like even the host agreements, I don't know if you're involved at any point with that kind of discussion at the um, CCC level. Yeah, I think Jordan would be able to talk a little bit more on okay. um, each of it in that side. If... Yeah, right on. But yeah, Sarah, yeah. and then I'm going to pitch it right back to you to talk a little bit okay. about as far as the compl- or the challenges that that licensees face is ongoing, right? It's right. some of the, you already talked about, it's, it's creating the financial backing and making sure that we have not only safe banking, but mm-hmm. access to grants and loans and proper tax laws, mm-hmm. right? Just like any other industry. And then there's a lot of, it's still in its infancy. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's municipalities, there's leaders, there's business owners, there's folks who are still navigating in unknown waters, right? Like there's an idea of how we, how we should be running the industry and how everyone should be operating. And then there's the reality of it that just like any other industry, there's, challenges with turnover as it relates to HR. There's challenges with working with your your municipalities, whether that's a licensee trying to get through, right? Like challenges with unfair 
and just playing out. (laughs) Yeah, literally, quite literally, some some licensees doing everything they can that's in compliance in order to open their doors. And then all of a sudden there's another challenge that pops up that was because someone perceived the law to be this way or the regulations were upheld this way or there's someone down the street who didn't get the newsletter or attend the four different meetings and now wants to say, wait a minute, you're not welcome here. And that's all related to like people who are who aren't educated. So that's a big piece of it. But I can go on and on. Yeah, no, I I, get because it's like this. I I think the dispensary specifically, I mean, there's lots of other people in this industry, but they have to be remarkably good neighbors. They have to do so much just to exist in the space. Yes. They are bringing customers in and bringing people in and bringing money in, but it is so expensive and they are required to do things that no other business would. I I do talk about those host agreements like extortion. I've been talking to them about like extortion since the very beginning. I mean, I went to a legal counsel and they were saying, the lawyers are saying they would literally never have another client sign this kind of deal, mm-hmm. but That's they knew that there's no way to get in and they had to prove themselves. So now I think dispensaries specifically are proving themselves that they're pretty good neighbors. And I know there's been pushback legally. I don't know what's happening in terms of like other communities, if things are kind of easing up. But, you know, it's like this idea. Everyone was afraid cannabis would come in. And we'd be so scary and do horrible, terrible things. And we have not. And I think those businesses have been like over the top good neighbors and need a break yeah. so the community in many ways and doing a lot of wonderful things so yeah 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 just the opposite of all that fear in advance i want to give a special shout to stem and haverhill right you haven't if you haven't read up on the great work that stem is doing in the community for the industry for the veterans community they're they're dedicated to walk in the walk and talk in the talk and they've had a very challenging journey that they're that they're outspoken and honest and transparent about. So big ups to Yeah, seriously. And I've given her um, shout outs before. I just think right. again, if no Oh, my first is- official shout out. Sorry. <laughs> Caroline Pinoak, maybe you're listening. I That's I love your party. And talking about you. cannabis parties, let's just shift gears. Let All us right. talk about what else you guys do. That party. I guess I'll give this to Sarah. What was the mission and what happened at that party? <laughs> yeah. So we had this party back in May. Oh, this party. Oh, this party. Oh, yeah. Okay. Party and that party. But the party came into fruition. It was Jordan, Mike, and I at the beginning of the year. We were talking about creating a, a meaningful place where folks can engage in cannabis and music and art. And what does that look like? So we collaborated like we have been doing for 20 years now. And we said, what can we do? Let's throw a party, an elusive mystery party with all of the things that we love. And that's kind of how it came to fruition. But- all right. So I think that these events are always fun. Just kind of, I don't know, just kind of talk about a little bit, maybe like the mist. It's like a little bit of mystery of it. What was it like when people walked in? Like, what did you, what was going on there? There was music, right? It was art. There was a lot of art, right? Yeah, there was, yeah. there was it all. Yeah. So folks didn't know about the location until 24 hours in advance, and they got directions about how to go. They park, they walk through this immersive woods. It's covered in these like really tall pine trees, absolutely stunning with mirrors and all funky things throughout the way with the ongoing theme of you're on the right path. So that's we like to tell folks is that just trust that you're on the right path to the question mark party. And folks walked into a complete immersive um, experiential wonderland, if you will. Um, 
four different musical uh, performances, live art installations, art vendors, performers, and some of the leading cannabis brands that we have in the state that we're, we're stoked about. So. That is great. And again, people who aren't from Massachusetts, it was kind of closer to the bottom part of Massachusetts. So it's not a very big community down there. No people coming from Boston. But, you know, again, all these things are made in Massachusetts. These businesses have to be based in Massachusetts. And it's an interesting industry in that level, just changing how something can be made in Massachusetts. Don't you think that's like a different kind of thing, especially manufacturing? I mean, what are you dealing with any manufacturers here right now? Yeah, we work with manufacturers, cultivators, and delivery operators, as well as retail. But the, the biggest thing that we're interested in is the social consumption piece of it all. Is because mm, Let's talk about that. Yes, yeah, so, let's All right. It. So everyone has this vision that's going to be like a bar. It's going to be loud. And you're going to sit at a whatever. It's going to be smoky. But what I think should happen, <laughs> especially talking about can of moms and can of caregivers, and I'm actually getting old and senior people, too, who are consuming this plant medicine and this plant for recreation and just because it makes them feel better is it should be like a community center a place to consume together and then activities like like continuing education you have your art class or you have your yoga class or whatever it is so so it's like not like an illicit thing at night you only do it's a thing you can do in the middle of the day and moms could do it and other people can have a place to consume and do stuff and then that's a little like me time and then you go home so that's what i think of when i think of consumption lounges (laughs) Love that. Dream big. Yeah, I'm dreaming big. <laughs> Great. There's something for everyone, for sure. Yes. Why not? Yeah. It's it's for folks, so. so where are you? Where is your vision? Because I know we're like it's been like spinning and spinning. Do you have edibles there? Do you do vape products? Do you smoke outside? Do you consume inside? Do you have entertainment? Like where is your where's your head yes. on this? So so that party is essentially a model for just that. Oh, right? Okay. Essentially yeah. what you just shared with us is normalizing the fact that there's a space for people to come together in any capacity to do anything. And that might sound vague, but why not? Right? Like you need to go and get your hair cut, but you also need to make sure that you have your, your preferred method of consumption. Can you be, I'm eating an edible before I go to Trader Joe's. Oh yeah. Right. Like if I'm going to a yoga class or a spa, or some, I'm not often in a spa, but listen, if I am, I'm going to be in the parking lot with Sarah with the windows up before we walk in there, right? Okay. So social consumption as this like, ooh, big, scary, how do we regulate it? We've been doing, we've been consuming socially since I would argue since the beginning of time, like for half our lives, half my life. I've been some of the most meaningful conversations I've had are in a parking lot in a joint rotation with the people I love most, right? That's where all these wild ideas come from because we say yes to the opportunity and we're saying yes to the people. So why can't before swim class, you hit the bong with the lifeguard right next to you? I argue that's social consumption in the YOCA. Like, but make it, make it, make it accessible for folks because that's what we really need to do. So to your point, yeah, everybody's talking about like, ooh, the coffee shop model or this model. And I think that's a wonderful way to roll into. But like all of these great products that are being cultivated or manufactured or marketed in in the Massachusetts market, how are we coming together and experiencing them together? That's good. Oh, I like yeah, I, that's that's the, normalization, the, the, the normalization. You build it into your day. And did you? I posted something from that the DCR, the Conservation Recreation. If you have a medical card, you can consume on public land. 
Oh, <laughs> look that Love up. That. Shout out to DCR. They got to DCR. That's wonderful. But that's, that's the idea. Says, right. Like we can dream about that. But but I mean, as as consumers and as patients, we are paying for a product and then we're being told now you have to go and and smoke that or eat that or do that somewhere else. Where where is the accessibility and inclusion there? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do we how how do we provide safe spaces with space for education? Because if peop- more people had access to the plan, I'm telling you, the world would be a better place. I know it, and you know it, and we all know it. I, I mean, maybe that's we simplify the message like, again. Like accessibility is such an. You guys are maybe go back to Parabola Institute. I think you guys are Parabola Center. We are a proud partner of the Parabola Center. That's right. Yeah. So I don't know. Let's talk because this is policy talk that we're on now. So what are they? Where Absolutely. are they? What are they talking about when they talk about? I mean, I know they talk about federal issues too, but are they talking about the Massachusetts consumption lounges? The kind of shift in attitude that it's more about accessibility than like creating another business model that shouldn't work. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. And the Parabola Center is full of brilliant minds that that are doing the work that are. So they most recently had a federal crash course policy of uh, of a federal policy crash course, excuse me. But what you talked about on the show was down in the um, Boston Public Library. It was on Gay Pride Day. It was like a wild day down there. So there was a lot of stuff going on. But again, this is a federal discussion, like with people who actually have ability to change, to create a I don't even know how to say it anymore. It shouldn't have been a business at first. I kind of, that's what I think. It should have, the medical should have come across. I talked to more nurses and doctors. If we had infiltrated the medical system like we should have and used just the way and, and got our doctors and nurses on board and then the, brought the businesses on and decided they're going to be rich, which isn't really working either, maybe this would look different. So now we're kind of this thing where we're like, we're kind of putting out little fires and they're trying to figure out at the federal level how to make this all come together. So yeah, that's right. how and I think of them. Yeah, totally. And it and it really comes down to being rooted in the fact that it's it's people first, right? Yeah, like people in, first. And creating an equitable industry that looks like at the town level, at the state level, and then at the federal level. And then we can even argue what an import and export global level looks like, right? Because we're it's it's a crop that everyone is now like we're turning into business and dollar signs. And but but all the way down, it's just rooted in helping people. Right. So that we need to do that at the at the local, state and federal level. And they're doing a lot of it. And Parabola Center is going to make sure it happens the right way. Well, they're 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 a voice in the ears of the people making the policy. The policymakers are elected officials or mayors. Mm -hmm. The more they hear from you, the more I don't know. I don't know. They reflect it back at you. I don't know what they're doing, but. No, this, well, this voice your... has to get louder. This voice has to get louder because it can't just be the business guys and business people. And I know they want to make banking and I have the same issues with banking as everybody else does. But if you, this is a root issue, this is a root problem. I don't know how you upend the system, but this, it's all getting rolled out in a crazy way. So why can't we do something different? <laughs> yeah. And, and I would just offer too, I think while I'm like hyping up the folks, yeah. that, that's what it's all about is, is to your listeners. Yes. You're here because you're interested, right? So take that interest in and keep staying connected and follow up and follow the people that are that are leading with not only sharing education, but empowerment of how to get involved and how to stay involved. It doesn't have to be so mystical and feel so far away because uh, there's so many different thought leaders and organizations that are happening in Massachusetts big time that are creating platforms 
for people to to understand and ha- how to connect and where to where to even start because That's there true. is much to to understand for sure. All right, let's go back to uh, is there spooky music? I feel like I'm hearing uh, family stories. Uh, you guys are in your thirties. Yes. Okay. So I don't know who wants it. Maybe go with Sarah. When you decided, you said, "Hey, I'm going to go into cannabis as a profession." Was this an issue in your family? Were people into it? Have you had to convince anybody that cannabis isn't the devil's lettuce or anything? Oh, for like an, a brief part, but you know, once you start again, what, I'm a patient. Once we start talking about the healing properties, again, people at the core, the healing properties the plant has as a core, I, I just always attest it to that. But it took it took a little bit of time. But now, again, using our creativity, creating really meaningful experiences and places and spaces. It's do, 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 do your fa- did your family attend your events? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, through. It's funny. Yeah. They're, yeah. The aunties are helping. The friends are helping. It's, it becomes, yeah, they, they, it takes a village to do the parties. So it does. And cool. this idea that yeah, you're bringing people in and they say, it, you, they see it. Sometimes people have to, they have to make up their own minds. I totally believe that and that they have to see it. So you guys are making it really accessible. I think that's yeah. been the theme of this, this discussion, yeah. accessibility in different ways. So <laughs> Jordan, what about you? My family has always been pretty supportive of what I've been determined to do. Okay. It's a blanket statement. (laughs) I've always, I, I learned at a young age that life is most enjoyable when you're doing the things that you love. And I work on, I, I do my best to not compromise. So I feel really grateful that the cannabis industry not only lets me work with people that are my family, but also I am in rooms with people who are like-minded and who are forward-thinking and future-thinking and are literally creating uh, experiences, product, flower, brands in order to help and benefit other people. And that's pretty impactful. Like that's, that's major for me. So, I mean, it's always been a big part of our, me and who I am and what I do, but also like the consumption part is all those people that were at family parties years ago that were sneaking out back with me are now the first folks that we, we let know that they're invited out to other things. And even like Sarah's family and like the aunties, they're none of them, not all of them consume. They I mean, can, I, can I, can I come back to that? Given like the, so do you think that I always say this, I smoke on the back porch with my husband at night. We don't really drink anymore. We talk more. Like, I think it's been good. And even my kids who are in their twenties, it's like, I think it's helped our interactions and so are you finding that just in your families that you're not and I guess when you were younger I'm sure you're like doing the walks or running away and no one knew and you kind of came home and kept your eyes down and god forbid but now it's open so do you find yeah, now they're all coming to us being like hey, what, what do you got what do you got for us because they know we always have the goodies when it's like of course are you guys on so do you have like kids in your life that are asking you questions now yeah yeah, right. KMJM has been smelling flour for, right? Like, they're, it's our duty to educate and like normalize, right? Yeah. And, yeah. But um, they don't know it otherwise. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what, I mean, the Cannamom kind of motto, I always think these kids, it's a whole generation of kids being raised. They're, they're crushing the stigma because they exist, because they know what it is. Their parent is not hiding in the bathroom and pretending like she's doing something else or he's doing something else. The kids know what a doobie thing and they're like, here's your medicine, whatever mm-hmm. they know. They can say they need a break. I just, I think it's a whole, and then it's just, that's how you normalize it. It's just, it's culture. It's like who you see doing what they're doing, right? right. So totally. yeah, that's where you are. All right. So 
So no family drama. That's good. I guess. I mean, that's together younger. No, that's good. Wait a minute. Are you looking for family drama? Because I can give you some. <laughs> no, I always say, I, even I talk about like how I talk to a lot of, I talk to so many women who like, or people in the industry, they, they're using it to heal people because their family members can see them and love them. But sometimes their family members are skeptical and still won't use it. So, totally. you know, I can see it both ways. I've had people say family members who wanted to disown them when they found out they were in the cannabis world. Oh, that's right. That's and, then a few, and then a few years later, they would have seen somebody else who they understood or connected with in a different way. And they said the same thing and they heard it. So, you know what I mean? It's a, it's oh, a yeah. weird it's a weird headspace people are in about this plant. Totally. And and with respect to what people have known in their own experiences ahead of time or in the past, again, it's like if we start to normalize and talk about it more, I do think that your brains, you start moving around and changing about and like, and soon your partner's grandmother's calling and it's like, hey, my friend had something for her arthritis. She said it's the best thing. Where do I find that? So now like, and she's like, what do I got to do? Meet you in a parking lot? And it's like, no, let's go to, let's go to a dispensary together or let's figure out how to create your own solve, right? Like for the people who want to bake and you like, there's makers and creators out there that can benefit from so much of like connecting with the plant, even if they're not even consuming themselves. It's like, get into a garden, get your hands on it, learn the science behind it. Like there's so many folks that your mind... I mean, we're on our high horse about it all the time, but yeah. there's, it, the cannabis industry asks for everyone to be involved, even the people who don't consume, like people who have skills or passions or brilliance that are some other that you can put in another checkbox, like bring them over. So, and, my, like, and like you said, it's in the infancy. How often? And that's how I got into this. Yeah. It's something new. I mean, how often do you get to be part of something new? And how can you help be a creator to create mm -hmm. this? I say creating plant to the caregiver, the industry, the world around this plant to be a caregiving industry. That's kind of my basis of like what I keep going forward. And if you're, we're doing this one by one, I can see it across. I talk to women across the country who like it's one by one, one conversation, one event, one, but it's getting bigger. It's more normalized now than ever. You can see it in culture. Like you watch TV shows now and there's always somebody smoking a joint or taking a vape or it's just, it's, and it's not like they're bad people who are going to jump off a roof. They're just having a break. And that's what you guys are doing. You're a little bit younger than me in Massachusetts. I did not know everybody was on the pot in Massachusetts. I thought we were Puritans. When it passed in 2016, we were like, oh, what? Pot. And then people started telling me as soon as I started talking about cannabis, I'm sure this happens to you all the time. They start telling me all their stories, like the older women in my temple and the neighbor next door and whoever it is. So it's just, it's transparency at this point. Totally. It's yeah. so funny. Massachusetts. All right. Let's see. Couple more minutes, Sarah. What is your favorite way to consume? I don't. I don't always ask this question. I ask it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I flower pre-roll all day. Old school. You're just yeah. yep. Yes. <laughs> I'm in a place. If I'm like in good company, I won't pass up a dab. But you know, another time I'm just before an event or something. Edibles are always great, but through and through, I'm sticking with like a yummy, fruity kind of roll that's what i like we'll have to smoke together and i don't really do edibles i don't know what's i just feel like hit me differently and now i'm more i'm learning about it like from nurses that i it that really probably is true so i think yeah. i'm just i'm a flower girl and what about you jordan i also identify as a flower girl a i love a fruity lemony i could go down my favorite top five strains in the oh stage. yeah do that do that oh hey all right this is on endorse, but all right. In no particular order. I gotta, I gotta hit you with that. In no particular okay. order. 
Harbor House Alborino, Happy Valley Super Lemon Haze, Impressed Cannabis Co., anything on their shelves. Oh, I said it. I said it. That's top three. Well, Impressed is the last three. And Impressed impress the brand? Impressed. What is that? What is that? I don't even know that. Impressed. Smoke it all. They'll grow more. Wow. Impressed is a family-owned cultivation that is making major waves. They're they're located in the South Shore, Massachusetts. They are, I mean, the name quite literally speaks for the, for itself. Impressive. Impressive. Impressed. Impressive. I'm going to send yeah. you some links. I'm going to let you know where you can pick up because they're, yes. I spend a lot of time in dispensaries, as people know. I bring a lot. I brought my rabbi's wife last week. I bring everybody to a dispensary and uh, that's. One of those brands I haven't heard of that. That's interesting. Okay, impressed. That's good. impressed. Yeah. Impressed. <laughs> I'll find them. That's right. Let's see. And that's a good, good call out. I mean, I will say a little the issue with like flower and dispensaries is like there's a Harbor House one I got really used to, like Purple Marmalade, I think it was called, and then I couldn't find it anymore. So I find these good strains, and then I spend like another while trying to find something that's I don't know. It's hard. It's a lot of it's a lot of work smoking all that cannabis to find what you like. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> The research and development is a tireless, tireless day at work, right? Maybe that's my future. Okay, both of you, what are you looking for like the next couple of years? What do you think is going to be your real focus? Massachusetts National, what are you What are you looking, what's your vision? Who wants to go first? I know. I don't, where do we begin? Where it's do a we big begin? question, but like the big, the overarching, where you're you know, heading with what you're doing here in Massachusetts, I'm glad you're still sticking with it. People are dropping out. We can see it around us. So we need to people with old school knowledge to remember where we've been and how far we've come, but how far we have to go to. Yeah, no, for sure. I think we're really looking forward to creating more meaningful experiences for folks. And again, bridging the worlds of, of cannabis with the everyday local person. It doesn't have to be somebody in the cannabis industry to come to our events and be in cannabis culture. They go hand in hand. It doesn't have to be like two separate things. So really fostering those type of experiences and then we have some business out in morocco that we're doing so here so we've got some fun things happening on the horizon that we're i do love again like just the normalization i did a high tea a couple of years ago and a lot of the people who came were not cannabis users and my relatives who didn't listen to me heard a doctor speak and said oh maybe what she's talking about isn't like crazy so those events are really nice and not everyone wants to go to a late night party high teas are a good and uh, just like we can do this in different ways. That's a really nice vision. All right. And Jordan? The long and short. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to hometown Massachusetts smoothing out to be the industry that it can be and it wants to be. So the reform that's like all out there right now that we're looking at, the 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 fine tuning of the industry that was rolled out so many years ago now, which includes social consumption licensing. And it includes reform on HCAs as well as the two-driver rule for delivery operators and perhaps some other policy related to timeline and all of that. That's a lot. That's, that's a good focus. That's, that's a like good, good. That's right. That's and then it's like hometown, but then also to Sarah and I and our partner Mike are really looking forward to just the future of cannabis in itself and what that means for the world. And Me too. Because cause we have some high hopes and dreams and we really believe in all of that and the people that are going to be a part of that. So I believe that too. Yeah, we're going to, I don't know, I think we can go from carbon to cannabis. We don't even talk about hemp. 
And no, y'all, y'all were talking about hemp earlier. I don't know. Uh, right? It's, it's bigger. Hemp, I say this every single week. It's bigger than cannabis. It's this plant that exists that can do so many things. I was watching a show about, I know, I was watching the show about Native American housing, and they were talking about using hempcrete. And I, I don't know. There's just this, like, so many things. We get, again, this vision. We need visionary leaders. We need people who aren't trying to bring us backwards. We need people going forward. And I really think that hemp is part of the future. Totally is. Mm-hmm. God, I have a hempcrete house out in the reef mountains of, of Morocco in May. Was that May or June that we were out there, Sarah? Yeah. Uh, wow. Incredible. All well, out of, you can, you can see the, the stems of it. Fibers and the, yeah. Beautiful. All right. You can live in it. You can play it. You can do anything <laughs> you, can, you want. You can eat it. You can wear it. It's hemp, baby. It, it takes the toxins out. We do our thing. All right, hemp. Maybe the next show will be, I don't know, my next life. I, I, it's just trying to do my little bit. All right, ladies, if anyone wants to reach you, want to connect with you, want to do any advocacy work with you, just want to work with you, what is the best way to get in touch with you? Find us at connect at the com. That's an email plug. We're on socials at the Weedaker Group, and you can find our personal based off of that. You can always find us. Please do reach out, stay connected. I want to say something more profound, but that's all I got right now. Any last words? Yeah. Right? Joyce, thank you for sharing this time with us. Well, thank you for uh-huh. sharing. Again, I like the, the local angle is so important. I don't know what influence we're having, but this idea that this is a very local issue at this point. And like you said, everybody's got a voice. Everybody can add it to this conversation. This is really something that's good. It's giving people purpose and it's giving people healing. And I hope by the time I'm in a nursing home, they will be using this as a normal medicine. That is, that's my wish. Because I know they're doing it in Israel. So if they could do it in Israel, they can do it here. And I don't know how we make sure that this doesn't become inaccessible to some people. That's really part of the social equity. And that's just something we got to keep aware of and keep fighting for, right? Right on. Right on. All right. So that is another show. Another show for my guests, Jordan and Sarah at The Weed Occur, not The Weed Maker. I am so sorry. <laughs> and my canna bro David Jazz and of course our Canna Mom Show team I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canna Mom Show where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love kindness, wisdom and hope thank you for following and sharing the amazing stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers I'm your host Joyce Gerber this is the Canna Mom Show and we are a production of Pod 617 the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary. And I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one toke at a time.